once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast, where my guest this week I was going to describe as a veteran, but some players don't like that, so we'll call him a stalwart or maybe a survivor on the professional tour because he's still going strong at the age of 52. Peter Lyons, welcome along. Yeah, thank you. The word survivor is probably quite appropriate because you're one of the very few players still on the tour who was around when the game was thrown open in the early 90s. A lot of players, you among them, with a lot of potential who you felt could make it as professionals. But of course, you had so many all coming on at once that you were all battling with each other to make that breakthrough. Yeah, it was very tough, you know, and, and, and it still is, but it's, it's professional sport. It should be tough. So, you know, you just got to go out there, try your best and see how far you can go. And all those months and months that you used to have to spend at Blackpool or it was Stoke one year playing in qualifying competitions. When you were playing in the first round of, say, the UK Championship or whatever, but it's the middle of summer and there's nobody there watching, it must be very hard to connect that to the actual UK Championship itself that in those days was going on at Preston late in the year. Yeah, it was, but you know, it was just something that, that you had to go through. You know, But to me... It didn't really matter. You know, I've always just loved to play snooker, you know, so wherever it is, if you've got matches to play, it sort of makes it worthwhile. When you did find yourself playing on the pro circuit and all those events, was the standard you were up against about what you'd expected or was it harder than you thought it was going to be? Uh, yeah, I think it was about what I expected. I mean, th- I think the thing was back in those days, you were sort of in awe of the, the top players because you mm. never really got to see them, you know, unless you got so far in competitions, they came in like really late, whereas now... I don't think the players these days realise how lucky they are that they see these players all the time, they mix with them, they get to play them like event in, event out, don't they? So it, it, it's, not such a, it's not such a big thing as it was for us in, in our day, you know, seeing the likes of Jimmy White and Steve Davis, John Parrott, you know, they, you were just in awe of them. There were a lot of guys who turned pro who you thought, OK, he could make it. But then they just sunk without trace, never got the results. They got swallowed up, really, in that system. But you started pretty well. You got some good results the first few years. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did, yeah. And I, but I, I used to practice hard, and it, it was what I'd always wanted to be, was a professional snooker player from when I first started playing, and, and I really enjoyed it. But, um, you know, you make some life choices along the way that, that sort of get in the way of your, your snooker or get in the way of your life. And if you don't deal with them very well, you it's easy for you to snooker, for your snooker to suffer and go off the boil and, and unfortunately for me that's what happened what sort of things are you talking about um you know just family stuff and mm. you know and like like a lot of people you may get with the wrong person or whatever and and it, it, it can ruin a few years of your not not necessarily ruin but send your snooker off track mm. which is what happened you know to me but you know it's one of those things it's life isn't it you've got to deal with it everyone's got problems in their lives and you've got to try and put them to one side and, and, and get on with the job in hand but which some people deal with better than others and when you talk about your game going off track what sort of era are we talking then is this well into your career uh, no probably the first few years you know like uh, in the early years I think I think because the early years can sort of set the tone and, and, and I was when I turned pro I think I was ready to turn pro before I turned pro it, Went before they opened the game up. The year I got to the playoffs a couple of years running before they opened the game up, and I probably should have got through the second year, but I bottled it. I went there and I bottled it. I think I, if I'd have got through then, I could have been a a lot higher ranked player than than my rankings have suggested over the years. But but when they opened the game up, I almost got in a sixty four in my first year, mm. and if I had it done again, it may have been different. But I didn't. They were the cards I'd, I'd, I got dealt, and I didn't do it. And then obviously, I like I say. I had a few years after that initial two first two years on the tour where I just didn't play very well, and then 
you know, I, I sort of got my act together when they closed the game, when they decided they were closing the game up in '97. Mm. Yeah, excuse me, and, and and I played some really good stuff. And that's probably when I was playing the best snooker I've ever played. Well, that's it. You'd obviously done well enough in that time to be one of the guys who was still on the circuit when they cut the numbers and decided that it wasn't just going to be hundreds of pros. So then at the end of the 90s, after, as you say, that decision had been made, you had a good couple of years. Let's talk about some of those moments, including getting to the Crucible in 1998, and you played John Paris in the first round, one of the best players in the world at that time. And you had a wonderful moment, a 1-4-1 total clearance for a newcomer, particularly at that time. That was incredible. Yeah, and, and I believe it's still the highest ever break by a rookie at the Crucible, you know, which, is, which, which I'm still proud of. But yeah, I mean... And then in 1998, I played, I had my best season ever. I played fantastic. And I started the season, I think, like provisionally, like just outside the top 32. And I, I was working really hard. And then my marriage broke up, you know. But listen, I don't want to make excuses. It, it, it's life, isn't it? You know, you've, you've got to deal with it, you know. But, and again, I didn't deal with it very well. And instead of like cracking on from there and getting into the 32, maybe going higher, I didn't. I went backwards again and... You know, but like I say, that's life. But the thing is, I've always loved to play snooker. Mm. You know, I, I love it. You know, I, you know whether I win or I lose, you know, nobody likes to lose, but I just love to play. What was that experience like playing, as I say, one of the leading players of the time at the Crucible? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. You know, the only sickening thing for me is, is I've only done it once so yeah. far. You know, you, you know, if you'd have told me in 98 that I wouldn't get through again, I wouldn't have believed it because, but, you know... That, unfortunately, is the fact as it is now. Has there been some years that you've come away particularly disappointed that you felt you were going to make it to the Crucible again and it didn't happen? Yeah, one or two, one or two. But it, it's difficult to get through, in it? You know, there's a lot of good players all trying to get through. But, yeah, I would have thought, you know, I would have done it at least another maybe two or three times. But, unfortunately, it's just not a tournament I play well in. I don't know why. Whereas... I've, I've often played well in the UK Championship, which mm. is still a longer format and, you know, and you've still got to beat a lot of good players. And I can't put my finger on why that is, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Well, we'll talk about the UK in a moment because, as you say, you've got a great record in that. Possibly the best tournament of your career, though, certainly in terms of the players you beat, was in China in 1999. You beat John Higgins, you beat Peter Ebden, you ended up in the quarterfinals. So how well did you feel you were playing that week? Yeah, and it's funny because I remember. Yeah, I remember it well. I lost to Brian Morgan. Yeah, five four, and I was four. I think I was four two up, and uh, I threw it away. I threw it away, and I, I think if if I end my career and I don't win a ranking event, which is which is highly likely now, you know, I will be gutted about like the sort of the few chances I've had, you know, because like when I, I got to the semis of. Germany not so long ago as well mm. and and like I'd sort of come to terms with the fact that I was never going to win one and then when I got to the semis and I lost to Kyron 4-3 it kind of broke my heart a little bit because I thought I'd always thought I'm not going to win one and then when I came so close to doing it it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit you know and it, it took me again it took me a long time to get over because I don't think I won any matches after that for ages but that's snooker isn't it you know unfortunately and with that China event Peter when you talk about throwing it away against Brian Morgan in the quarterfinal was it the enormity of maybe getting through to a big semi-final that got to you or was it just a match that slipped away as yeah, matches can I, do I think because I, I remember I remember at 4-3 up I remember um, I had a chance to win, and I tried. I tried to fall over the line instead of 
doing like what top players do and just going for the jugular mm. and that I tried to fall over the line and I played a shot now that I've regretted ever since. I, I had a, a simple red to play for the black and I tried to play for the blue to make the break easier and I made a mess of it, got the wrong side of the blue and, and didn't win the frame from there. And yeah, absolutely sick, even now, absolutely sick. So how frustrating was it then, and you've outlined maybe some of the reasons for it, that in the years after that, having been to the Crucible, having had that good showing in China, that you sort of slipped back into the pack and you weren't fulfilling your potential in those years? Yeah, it's, it, it, it is. It is sickening, but, you know, it's... What can you say? It's... it's I don't really know. I, I, I don't... It's... Did yeah. It, did it affect your state of mind? Were you feeling down about it, away from the table? Um, because you knew, everyone knew, you'd been a really good amateur and you'd shown as a pro you had potential and it wasn't happening for yeah, you. Yeah, I don't know what the reason... I don't know what the reason is. You know, I, I've spoke about it a few times, you know, and everybody says... Everybody says, oh, yeah... Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to know, let's say, how many people think, do you know what, I can win it? Because I've never thought I could. I've never thought I could. I've never been able to see myself standing there holding a trophy at the end of it. I've just never been able to do it. And I don't know why. I don't know why, Maybe that, you know, for what reason. But I've just never been able to see it. It's interesting that you're talking about this and the frustrations you had and the struggles to get the results in the years following the success you'd had in the late 90s. Then you fell off the tour in 2016. So you would have thought, if you'd gone through all that, a lot of players, having been on for as long as that, might have thought, right, that's it, I'm going to pack it in now. But you kept battling, and I guess that just reflects, as you were saying, how much you love playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, because to me, you know, I like to... <laughs> I play at the Northern in Leeds, and, and and it's a good. It's sort of it's like it's like a second home. It's where it's where I go. It's what it's what I do. It's it's it, you know I just I like to be in there, you know, and I like I like to get my cue out and play. I just yeah, I mean I owe a lot of it. I, I think <clears throat> I can't remember what year it was. Um, I fell off the tour. I fell off the tour possibly in two thousand and five, and it's the only time I've considered quitting right. uh, because my game was rubbish. And my game was rubbish because, I, for like, for the first time ever, I stopped practicing and 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 and, and I, I just wasn't enjoying it. And I spoke to Steve Prest, mm. and he said, you know, let's work together because he'd asked me loads of times, and I'd always sort of said, no, it's okay, you know, I, you know, I like to be on my own because I'm 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 a little bit of a loner and I like to sort of go around on my own and stuff like that. But this is Steve Prest, by the way, in case people don't know, who was a very well known, very well respected coach. He worked with a lot of pros. He did, yeah. Well he was my brother in law. He was married to my sister at oh, one right. point. Yeah, oh, so I never I, knew that. Yeah, and he'd right. asked me loads of times to help me. And I you know, and I'd always sort of just like basically like a lot of people you think maybe you think you don't need it or whatever but mm. I was at such a low ebb I just said oh I'm, I'm gonna and he said don't stop playing he said I hope you you know you might as well you've got nothing to lose he said I hope you he said I'll definitely get you back on the tour and I said okay then we'll give it a go for one year anyway and we did we got straight back on the tour we, he changed a few things he got me sort of loving the game again and then and then he said right well this year we'll get in the 64. So I said, okay, then right, we'll see how it goes again. And and we did. We got in the 64, back in the 64 in the first year, which was some achievement from being off the tour. And I was sort of quite proud of myself. And I've only really had a few moments in my in my life where I have been proud of myself. You know, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've done not maybe fulfilled the potential I had. But and then and then Steve died. Mm. And that knocks me back again, you know, because I, mean, I got to the quarters of the UK just after it died. And it was like, 
it was like all him and it was just a shame he couldn't have been there. Because again, I beat some great players to get to the Absolutely, quarterfinals. Yeah. You know, some phenomenal players and I owed it all to him and, you know, and again, but <laughs> I keep going back to it, but it's life, isn't it? It's stuff like this happens and it's, it's how you deal with these experiences. But, you know, I'm, I'm not one for sort of taking to social media and, and, you know, I'm not on any of them sites and stuff like that and, and going, you know, it's just, I like to just keep it to myself and be a, you know, so it's one of those things you so, got to deal with. as we've said there, you had dropped off briefly during your career, but when it happened in 2016, you've been around a while, you kept going. And a great thing happened actually not long after that because you got a place in the UK Championship. Because of the format of that, you were going to be playing one of the very top players. You end up facing the defending champion, Neil Robertson, one of the favourites for the title, and you go and beat him. I mean, that must be one of the absolute highlights of your entire career. Um. Yeah, it was. Yeah, to beat him, to beat him uh, at the UK Championship. But I th- I, I've got a really good record against a lot of the top players. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I'm the only player that's got a plus record against Ronnie, Mark Williams, and John Higgins in the game, which is is weird because it, it, you know. And I think it's just because they are so good, and you know when you go out there, if you don't perform, you're going to get beat. So your mindset's sort of already there to right. This is how I've got to perform. There's no trying to fall over the line you either play well or you don't win it's as simple as that you know but do you it, think that part of it also peter is that nobody expects you to win you don't expect yourself to win so you don't have that same sort of pressure yeah probably yeah probably yeah and you can just go out there and if you if you do get beat if you get beat 4-0 5-0 no one's really going to say well you got beat 4-0 5-0 because that's basically what they're expecting so yeah like you say you can just go out there and enjoy it and play so going into that match against Neil Robertson then having had that record as you say and beaten so many top players I know John Higgins in particular you've beaten him three times in ranking events was that in your head did that give you maybe a bit more belief that why not why can't I pull off another result yeah it always has been it always has been yeah and I don't know why that is I wish I could put my finger on it but I don't know why it is yeah but a great win that, and as you say, you did get back onto the tour and got to a semi-final in a ranking event, the Paul Hunter Classic in 2018. We'll talk about the semi in a moment, but the quarter-final against Jack Lazowski, much younger player, would have been expected to win that match, and it looked like he was going to. One of the best turnarounds of your whole career. Yeah, well, leading up to the Lazowski match, I think I'd played some of the best snooker I'd played in 20 years. I, pl- I thought I played really well, and... But having said that, I got to the quarters and I still didn't think I was going to win the whole thing. Like, because obviously Jack's a brilliant player, I knew Kyron was still in. And then, and, and then, I don't know, I think Jack, he, he kind of, I mean, he played great to go 3 0 up. And then I think he just, maybe he took his foot off the gas a little bit. I think it's what Jack does sometimes, you know what I mean? I think, because the game comes so easy to him. I think sometimes, and obviously, Snooker don't forgive you sometimes when you when you when you take mm. liberties with it, and maybe maybe that's what happened. And yeah, obviously, I was delighted to get over the line, and then on the final black, wasn't it? Respotted black. Fourth, oh, it was a respot. Yeah, okay, right. yeah, respotted yeah. black. Wow. But yeah, yeah, I was delighted to get over the line, and 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 then I was waiting for the winner. I think it was Karen Wilson was playing Daniel Wells, and no disrespect to Daniel Wells because he's a great player, but I was really hoping that Karen won because I wanted to. I wanted to win. If I was, for the first time, I bubbled it in my life. I thought, do you know something? I think I'm, I think I could win. I think I could win the tournament, and I wanted Karen to win because if I won the tournament, I wanted to be someone right at the top 
to mm. win it if you, if that makes you sense. You didn't want people saying, "Oh, he got an easy draw." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, mm. and yeah, no disrespect to any players. I know how tough it yeah. is, but yeah, I wanted to beat someone right at the top to win it if I was going to win it. So no one could say, you know, that I, that I just won it because I was playing whoever. Well, Kyron did get through, and you almost beat him. I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us about it. Well, I was free. Yeah, I played pretty well, and I was three two up. And we were, it got down to the last red in the sixth frame, and I was 20-odd in front. And I had him in a snooker a couple of times, and he left it safe a couple of times. And then he cleared up to win the frame on the black to go free each. And then he made a really good break in the last, like a 60 or a 70 break in the last. And it, like I say, it just broke my heart. I mean, I don't normally sort of get emotional at snooker, but when I come out and I saw my lad walking towards me at the mm. venue, I nearly cried because I was just, I was, I was heartbroken. And even when the dust settled a few days later, Peter, were you able to take enjoyment from the fact that you'd played so well and got that far? Was it all just shrouded in disappointment? Yeah, it was all just, you know, in the end, I, th- I think I thought to myself, I wish I'd lost to Lazowski because getting so close, so close to the final, I just, I, yeah, it, I was just, and even now talking about it, I'm still, mm. I'm still gutted about it. I think he always will be. Let's talk about your boy, Ollie, who you mentioned there, and he's followed on in your footsteps and become a professional snooker player himself. So was it something you guided him towards, Peter, or did he just latch on to it himself? Uh, I think it was when, because um, he used to play a lot of football when he was younger, and I think when me and his mum split up, um, it wasn't really very amicable. And, and I think it was it was just a way for him to spend more time with me. You know, so because obviously I spent a lot of time at the club anyway, and he sort of started coming down the club so he could spend more time with me. And, and stuff what like sort that. of age was he at this stage? Um, he was probably oh, around well, we split up when he was four, uh, but as he went older, he was probably he was probably about 10 ish when he when he started sort of coming down the club and spending a little bit more time, but he didn't really start playing, so yeah, so he probably started playing when he was about 10 ish. So he then got into the game and became a professional player. I remember Neil Fold saying one day the lines father and son are going to end up playing each other in professional competition and it's going to be absolutely horrible. And he knows because he played his dad in a ranking event that he ended up going on to win, in fact. So how was it for you guys when it did actually happen a couple of years ago? It was awful because we can't even really practice together because, I mean, if we practice together, let's say, and I want to see him playing well. You know, and 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 if we play and I'm playing well, let's say, and he's not playing so well, that's not really what I want to see. And I just, it, it, it's hard to not go out there and get. For me, it is anyway. You know, whatever I'm doing, I've got to try and give a hundred percent. And it's hard to just play that. It's awful. So we don't even really play it together. It was, it was awful. Yeah. It was only a short match, which you were probably quite well, pleased yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> was it just one of those things that there was no point of the match at which you could get it out of your head that you were playing your own son? Was it yeah. just always there in your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Because I mean, I just didn't want to win, and and he didn't want to win. It was just you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, luckily, it was in a, a sort of a smaller comp and it was a group thing mm, and, yeah. and it didn't really affect. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, touch wood, we don't play each other in a proper event. And it's certainly a proper event that's got some meaning to it, you know, like someone had to stay on the top or winning us. Yeah, it'd be just awful, awful. He's a really friendly young lad, Ollie, as he's known to everyone on the tour. I know he's officially Oliver. How good a player do you think he can be? I... 
yeah, I think he can be a top player, and I'm not just saying that because I'm because I'm his dad. I really do. I think he's got all the attributes to do that. Except he's just got. Unfortunately, he's got he's kind of got what what I've got. He's got to believe in himself a little bit more. And if he can crack that, you know, he started working with Feeney, uh, Steve Feeney, mm. and um, that seems to it seems to be getting on the right track. He had a pretty good season. His, his results started mm. to pick up a bit last season, so hopefully he can crack on because. Obviously, I go around with him everywhere and that, you know. But I don't really want to be his coach, and that, and his, his mentor, whatever. I want to be his dad, you know. I want to tell him, ah, don't worry about his son, you know. He'll be all right, you know. When he's finished and he's lost or whatever, I don't want to be saying, no, oh, you shouldn't have done this. You should, uh, that's not what I want. So yeah, he's working with Feeney, and hopefully Steve can get him there, I, you know. And and I believe he can. I really do. And you seem to have a great rapport, the two of you. Any time of seen you together you yeah, to, yeah yeah we have we've been, we're very close we have been we, we, we always have been you know i'm you know it's kind of my thing you know i'm a sort of fairly private person but i'm a big family person you know i don't i want my kids to get on you know i don't want them to drift apart when when i'm not there do you know what i mean as they get older and that because i've got a daughter and i've now got a little boy as well and i want them to be close it's 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 it, to me it's more important than anything yeah of course let's come to the quick fire round peter this is a bit of fun where i just ask you about Things not really to do with snooker, mostly. Favourite movie? Um, I'll say The Greatest Showman. Best holiday you've ever been on? Um, I'm not a real massive lover of holidays, so I'll have to say my honeymoon, we went on a cruise, me and my my wife, Sarah. Your favourite music? Whitney Houston. One thing you'd change about life on the professional snooker circuit? I think I will say that we all go to every venue. Do everything from round one At to the, the final. Yes. Yeah. And interests away from snooker. Football. All oh, right. Leeds oh. United? Yeah, but yeah, I'm playing. I still play. Oh, I you still, still play? Playing. Yeah, we, we and Oliver are playing the same five-a-side team oh, wow. like two or three times a week. So Fantastic. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely love it. 134. What a brilliant performance from Peter Lyons at his debut here at the Crucible. He takes the high break prize, 141, and frame number three to lead by two frames to one. Let's move on then to talk about something that's been great for you in the recent years, the growth in the seniors game, because some players have done really well out of that, and you as much as anyone. 2017, you became world seniors champion. You beat the likes of Dennis Taylor, Stephen Hendry along the way, then John Parrott in the final, who, of course, you'd played at the Crucible all those years earlier. And it's very rare, even in short matches like that, to see someone go through a whole tournament without losing a frame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't really know why. But, yeah, I think maybe because I just... I'm obviously still a full-time player, you know. I'd, like, just fallen off the tour, let's say, and, and I was still playing a lot more. But, yeah, I, and I played, I played pretty well, so, yeah. And they obviously they don't play as much as they used to do, and but yeah, it was still it was still very pleasing, you know, still very very pleasing to win it to win a, any trophy. Well, that's it, isn't it? Because okay, we talk about ranking event winners, and there are very few of them really when you consider all the people who've ever played professional snooker. But there are loads and loads of really talented players who never pick up any sort of trophy. So how important was it to you to tick that off before? You yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I would encourage anyone 
you know, like over 40 if they still love snooker to get in these seniors tournaments, you know, because they are good. They're good because you get to see players that you grew up with and, you know, the camaraderie is there. But at the end of the day, we all still want to win. The competitive edge is still there, you know, and we all want to win. It's not the only seniors event you've won. You are the reigning UK seniors champion. You won that earlier this year. And that came shortly after you'd had a great run again in the UK championship on the main tour, as it were, beat some very talented players to get to the last 16. And you then played the eventual champion, Xiaozin Tong, who had the week of his life, and you pushed him hard, almost made it to the quarters again. Yeah, I did, yeah. And I think, again, I think it was just a little bit of lack of self-belief why I didn't, why I didn't win the match against you know i got myself into a position to win and i and i just i didn't win but you know fair play to him he's he's some talent when you talk about that lack of self-belief it seems to have permeated your entire career peter was it there when you started when you turned pro did you have more belief I, yeah I, I did yeah i think i did it, i don't and i don't I, I can't pinpoint where i can't pinpoint where it went wrong i really can't because I, I you know i always believed i was I was I was going to be good enough because you know I only started playing at, at at fourteen and I only played once a week till I was sixteen, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I'd already made some centuries by then, and I was only playing once a week. You know, so I was always a talented player and thought it. But then for some reason, yeah, I don't know. Goes back to what we were saying at the start, really, doesn't it? Because there were so many talented players coming along at that time, and I think it's a thing maybe people don't quite grasp that there are so many good players out there that it's very hard to get results and then when you know how well you can play and you don't get the results it gets in your head it bogs you down and you lose sight of how talented you really are yeah I think so yeah and like you say I think there's a lot of people in the same boat as myself you know because there's a lot of talented players out there it's a tough game you mentioned the Northern Snooker Centre there earlier, one of the most famous snooker clubs in the world. It's real old school, steeped in the heritage of the game. And that's been a really important part of your career, hasn't it? It has, yeah. yeah. I, you know, and I probably wouldn't still be playing if it hadn't been for the Northern. But yeah, it's a fantastic club. It's got a great set of lads down there. You know, it's got some like young lads trying to come through now and it's good to see, you know, we all sort of, we're all like a little bit of a family down there, mm. you know what I mean? We all like help each other out and cheer each other on and yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant club. And you've got about four or five guys in or around the professional tour playing there at the moment. Yeah, we have, yeah, yeah. And we've got a couple of, we've got two or three really talented youngsters just coming through. So hopefully they'll get on the tour soon as well. I'm sure they will. So here we are now, Peter, 52 years of age. You're still on the tour after all this time. One of the oldest players on it now at this stage. What can still be ahead for you? To be honest, I don't really know. I'm just going to try and play as long as I can. You know, if if I do, you know, I'm going to try everything I can to stay on the tour this year. And then if I can, I'll get another two years. And, Mm. you know, if not, I probably will go to Q school and see if I can get through. And then if not, I'll obviously, I'll, I'll probably still come around the circuit with Oliver. But I'm sure I'll still play. Because, like I say, I love to play. You must be really proud of the fact that, okay, you dropped off briefly once or twice, but to still be on the tour, on your own merits after all this time, it's a great achievement that you should give yourself credit for. Uh, Yeah, I think so. And I think, yeah, I do struggle to give myself credit. But, yeah, I am proud of myself because, you know, obviously I'm not famous enough to have got a wild card. I'm not a huge name about But I have put myself out there to go to Q school and I've got through it. I think I was the oldest person ever to get through Q school. So, yeah, I am, I, am, I am a little bit proud of myself for that, yeah. Well, you should be. And as we've seen over the last couple of years, you're still very capable on your day of playing really well and beating very good players. And I'm sure there are more good moments to come. Thanks so much for your time and for joining us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. No problem. Anytime.
Next week, we're in Brentwood for the Bet Victor English Open, an event Mark Davis might well have won four years ago had it not been for a self-declared foul at a key stage of the final. Who knows what would have happened? I'm not going to say I would have won, but I definitely would have gone 6-4 up because I was feeling great. And, and two-frame you know, gap at that stage could have made a difference, but... We, we never know, obviously, but um, it was... And I didn't beat myself up over it. I, I still felt good. I thought it was just an unfortunate situation. Mm. But Stuart was such a great player. He, I think he cleared up that frame and then really controlled the rest of the game there. And, um, you know, he might have done that from 6-4 down. We never know, but it certainly was a, was a turning point. Even though it didn't affect me, because I felt I hadn't really done anything wrong. It just um, And that was, you know, a bit disappointing. I really felt that, you know, that was... You know, possibly one of my last chances to win a tournament, and even though it was such a great week, you know, it was obviously at the same time it was probably one of my biggest disappointments not not actually winning that tournament. Because the older you get, you know your your chances are are kind of limited. You got to be realistic about things. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast, and don't forget our bonus content, the One Four Seven, rounding up the week's snooker headlines in 147 seconds, out every Tuesday and available to download at wst.tv. Until next time, thanks so much for listening, and goodbye.